0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Power to be. I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I believe Acts 1.8 is the key verse of the entire book of Acts. The book of Acts is the history of the church's beginning. We're, we're able to see from these eyewitnesses what happened. When the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, what did it look like? What, what was their ministry like? How did the church begin? What was the church like in its purity, in, in its original organic form? What did the church do? What were they like? Uh, our contention here at Calvary is that how the church began is how the church should continue to operate. We don't find in Scripture that God began one church. And it morphed into a different theological church or morphed into something else. Now, that, that, that's happened in many places. It wasn't God's original intent. And so as we look in Scripture, we, we are purposing in our heart to take the principles of, of, of the Bible and, and see how they work in everyday life. We just believe that this Bible is the Word of God, that it's accurate, that it works in every situation. Anybody here find out the Word of God works wherever you are, whatever you do? Give me a wave. Anybody done that? Yeah, it works. So Acts 1-8 is that key verse for this whole book of Acts. So let's, let's look at it here. Remember, Jesus had told the disciples during this 40-day period after his resurrection, before he ascended to heaven, he gave them a command to stay in Jerusalem and wait for something. All right. Now here we have verse 8. What were they waiting on? He had told them to go preach the gospel everywhere. But he said, before you do that, you need something. You need an enablement, an equipping. Verse 8 says, but you will receive what? What happens? We receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now watch this. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There are three key words that, that we're learning and applying as we go through this study. And they are power, my, and be. This word power is a fascinating word. It's used throughout the New Testament. It, it, it uh, uh, is used in different ways. We read power. It's translated, the Greek word dunamis, power. Sometimes it's translated miracle. Sometimes it's translated might. But the, the real meaning of this word dunamis, we, we get some, some English words from it, dynamite, dynamo. The the real meaning of this word is not just strength, might, and ability. That's part of it. It's strength, might, and ability in action. Dunamis is an action word. You really never recognize the power of God until we put it into action, until we get into motion. How many see what I'm saying here? It's not a sitting power. It's an acting power. It's not a word or, or an experience we encounter thinking about the gospel. It's as we're going with it, that this power comes. Then the next word is my. Jesus said you'll have power to be my witness. If the church, you and I, not a building, but you and I, the church. If we are fulfilling God's assignment for us with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we are witnesses of Jesus. Our nature is his nature. We, The fruit of the Spirit, we read about in Galatians 5, begins to be the nature of our lives. The Not only his nature but his actions. That's why we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's still the same God who heals and delivers and saves and defeats the power of hell. And so as we walk our walk as Christians in 2020, in in challenging seasons, we are witnesses of Jesus. When people come worship with us and attend church with us, they should leave saying, I was in the presence of the Lord. When we go to work, when we're at home, when we're in our activities, we, we are witnesses of Jesus. We leave his testimony, all right? But then this word be, you will be, it's literally saying it's not something you earn, it's not something you, you have worked for and searched for, you become. This power enables you to be who God created you to be. It's a gift to you. You'll be. And in the New Testament, being precedes doing. We don't earn the favor of God, we're given the favor of God. How many are thankful he loved you when you were unlovable? That he gave you grace, you become. So as we walk through that, let's go to Acts chapter 2, and let me just let's read these first four verses and see what happened. He said, Wait, wait, you're gonna have power, you're gonna be my witness, you're gonna be. So what released that to these disciples? chapter 2 of Acts verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw it seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When this occurred, as We've studied, this was on the feast of Pentecost. And God's sovereign order and plan, the city of Jerusalem was filled with Jewish pilgrims from every known nation, from every nation in the known world at that time. And when this outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred, this rushing mighty wind, these cloven tongues of fire, the the, the early disciples praising God in, in this multitude of unknown tongues to the speaker. A crowd began to rush in and began to say, what is this? What's going on? We've never seen anything like this. What's happening? Well, of course it was new. It was the birth of the church. It was day one. It was ground zero of the church. And they marveled. They rushed in and and began to ask questions. What does this mean? How are you doing this? What is this? Now, let's be honest. Out of all the potential people to stand up and answer that question, Out of all the disciples, we might choose to preach the first sermon of the church. Come on, not Peter. Not Peter. This guy had been blowing it, blowing it, blowing it. Remember Peter in the upper room at the Last Supper? Jesus? If all these other bums, I mean, he didn't say that. If all these other guys forsake you, not me, you can count on me. He said, in fact, let me tell you this. I'll die for you, Jesus. What happened a few hours later? Denies him three times wasn't long after that, even after the resurrection, even after he had seen Jesus, he was still struggling. He literally gave up and walked away from his calling. He walked away from his call to be an apostle. And not only did he walk away from God, he led half of the other disciples with him. Do you know, listen to me today, do you know you're a leader? Do you know that? Do you know whatever you do, somebody's following you? You know that you're either leading people closer to God or you're leading them farther away from God. Peter was blowing it. I mean, time after time after time. And then we get here for this big moment. The big moment. And let's go to verse 14. It's just shocking to me. What, why Peter? We go to verse 14. The, the question's been asked, what does this mean? What, what's going on here? Verse 14. Then Peter stood up. Peter stood up. Peter volunteered. This man who had been afraid of these very people. This man who was afraid to give witness to Jesus before one little servant girl now steps up on the platform in front of thousands of people in the very place where he had humiliated himself and fallen. Don't raise your hands and don't point at people. (laughs) Have you ever fallen on your face as a Christian? Have you ever made promises you couldn't keep? Have you ever been in a church service and said, Oh, Jesus, I'll serve you forever. Jesus, I'm with you. And man... You find yourself going, how did I do this? Why did I say that? How did I make this mistake? How did I get in this place? That's Peter. But something happened because here he is standing up. Here he is volunteering. Here he is facing his fears and his failures. What happened to this man? The very thing that Jesus said we need if we're going to be the church. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He encountered the power of God. It was no longer just Peter trying to follow. It was no longer just Peter trying to do in his own ability. It wasn't just Peter's willpower. Do you know how Donna and Emily stood on this platform today? Freed, healed, saved, and delivered, and not afraid to go into the rest of their life. It wasn't because we gave them positive mental attitude classes. It wasn't because we said, try harder. It wasn't because we said, you know, do the right thing, sign the right here. No, it was because they encountered Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit enabled them, listen to what I want to tell you, to be what God had always planned on them to be. Do you know that God wrote the first chapter in your life? He wrote the first chapter in your life. It's called Psalm 139. While you were in your mother's womb, the Bible said God began to write a plan for you. Isn't that powerful? God wrote a plan for you. And I can promise you in God's plan for you, you heard Donna say, Pastor told us we're not just titled by abuse. We're not titled by addiction. We're daughters of God. There has never been a person, listen to me, I'm just going to fly in the face of stuff, but that's kind of what I do, okay? If I don't make you think I didn't do my job, right? Okay. If you knew it before you got here, you don't need me, okay? So that's my job. I need, to, I need to push on some buttons. Do you know no one, no one, who's ever been born on this planet while you were in your mother's womb and God began to write a plan for you, no one did he write, addict, addict. No one did he write, failure. No one did he write, never make it happen. No one did he write, they're never going to be there. God wrote the first chapter of your life now. Life, people, and choices have written some other chapters in your life, but you get to write the last chapter. You get to determine, am I going to agree with what God said in the beginning? And that's what I'm teaching you with this B word. See, Peter, when God chose it, listen, we read in the Gospels, the first time Jesus met Peter, he looked at him. He said, I know what your name is, but I'm going to rename you, and I'm going to name you Rock. I'm going to name you the Rock. You think, oh, Dwayne, what's Dwayne's last name? Johnson, thank you. You think Dwayne Johnson is the rock. Peter was the first rock. Long before there was a Dwayne Johnson, there was another rock. Now, Peter, I don't know if he looked like Dwayne Johnson on the outside. Come on, are you with me? But Jesus saw what was on the inside. And he said, boy, you got some problems. But by the time I get through with you, you're going to be a rock. See, Jesus saw this day when Peter would stand up and preach the gospel while everyone else saw him failing. Can I get some good news about you today? Jesus sees the best thing that's in you right now. Jesus knows what he wrote about you in your mother's womb. Now, you've got to walk with him and accept him and begin to serve him to get in that place. But there's power for you to be. If Peter can turn from from a, a wavering reed into a rock, so can you and I. Come on, somebody say amen to that. If Peter can be restored from falling away from God, so can you and I. So what happened? Peter, Peter. Became this man that God told him he would always be. It it was amazing what God did in his life. What happened? He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by God. I I love this word, baptized. There's two words in the Greek. It's a short word, bapto and baptismo. This is baptismo. It doesn't mean, one word means a quick little dunk. You know, when we baptize people in water, we kind of give them a quick little dunk. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, as I tell you sometimes, there are some people I'm tempted to hold down longer than others. Right. <laughs> not because I don't like them, but because I'm not sure about them. And I've noticed that people get right with God very quickly underwater. <laughs> you know, when when the bubbles start coming up, I know they're praying hard right there. It's just, Jesus, forgive me. I love you. If Pastor lets me up, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Okay, now we're up. See, because, okay. I'm just playing. Don't, don't get scared. Don't get scared. But baptismo, this word used, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it means that you're immersed and you stay there. It's the word that was used in this day and time and culture when they would dye cloth. You would take white linen and you would have a vat of dye, some color, and you would take the cloth and immerse it in that dye And leave it in that dye till the dye had permeated every part of that cloth. Till the color and the nature of that dye had taken over and transformed the color of what was placed in there. And what happens to you and me, anybody see where I'm going with this? When I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not a quick dip. It's an encounter that begins to permeate everything George Sawyer is. And fill in all the gaps that I am NOT anybody with me on this and go in the places where I'm too weak and I'm too flawed and I don't have what it takes but if you'll stay in the presence of God anybody with me right now and allow him to permeate and immerse that then I want to come out of that encounter where I don't look like the man that went into that encounter where the quality and the nature and 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 the the character of what I was immersed in has taken over the character of who I was before I went in that. And how many find out you don't just need that once in life? <laughs> Come on, oh, oh, everybody else, is that good? Come, let me try. How, many, how many have needed another immersion as we go along here? God, I was doing good. Come on, I need a second dose of this. I need another dose of this. God, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because your plan for me is not to hide and run and fall away. Your plan is for me to stand up on the most important day of the church. And that's what Peter did. You see, guys, what happened? We, Adam and Eve, in the beginning, God created them to walk in a relationship with him. They walked with him in the cool of the day. They knew him. They, they were there. But what did sin do to us? Sin ripped that relationship out of our hand. What happened immediately? They were separated from the Lord. They were pushed outside the garden because of their sin and their choices and their rebellion. But what sin stole from us... The good news on the cross, Jesus redeemed us and brought us back in fellowship with the Father. Listen to me. But the Holy Spirit restored us. Jesus redeemed us and put us back in contact. But the Holy Spirit restores everything the enemy ever took out of our life. How many are thankful the power of the Holy Spirit will restore us and transform us and put us in a place where God can use us? See, I told you, power is an action word. Power is a word, this dunamis word that specifically says it's realized as we fulfill God's assignment. Listen to me; want you to stay with me. I'm not preaching theory. This is what we have to have in this day and time. I, I want you to get this. I, I don't know. There's ever been more challenging time for the church. I don't think we've ever had more expected of us, more demanded of us right now. You no. Know, at us right now. I, all, all our all the volunteers have masks on because we want to protect you and follow the guideline. Have our church families online. Some are here. <laughs> I, you know we're, we're we're trying to figure all this out, and people are worried about their finances and worried about their health. In the middle of this 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 fear, a spirit of fear is put on us. Then then we're we're grappling with the reality of racism and social justice and equality in our culture. Man, we're trying to. God, but can I tell you something? I believe with every fiber of my being that we were born for a time as this. That God brought the church into existence for just this moment. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you, when I look at what's needed of us today, we don't have it. When I look at what's demanded of me as a pastor today, I don't But when I look at the power of the Holy Spirit that is supernatural, I realize that in this hour where few people have the answers, the church is the answer because we're the witness of Jesus. And if we will allow him to empower us, we're the light and the hope for this world we're living in right now. See, Jesus said, what you're going to do in my name is so vital and irreplaceable don't even try to do it until I've empowered you. He told them to go. Look at this. He said it in two different ways. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If you have your Bible, look there. If not, we've got it available for you here. Look at this. This was during the same 40 days. Just before he told them, wait in the city, he told them, go. Watch. Then Jesus came to them and said, this is after the resurrection. During those 40 days, he gathered the disciples. He said, listen, I am going to give you an assignment. All authority said this first, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You know what that's stating? I've defeated the devil. I've taken the authority away from him. He stole when Adam sinned. It's back in the hands of the church. So all authority in earth has been given to me. Look at verse 19. What do you do? Therefore, say the word. Go. Say it again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then look at verse 20 with me. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Look at this. And surely I am with you. When? Always to the very end of the age. Notice he says as we go, as we understand who we are and who we're empowered to be, he says that's where you're going to find me. If you want to be in the presence of God, you've got to be a goer. You've got to be a person fulfilling a purpose in your life. Now look at Mark Uh, Chapter sixteen, verse twenty. I want want you to see this again. You see the go, the command to go, the command to fulfill the assignment. Mark chapter sixteen and verse number twenty. Have you got that for me? Am I saying the right verse here? Yeah, Mark sixteen twenty. Let me read it to you. You've got it in your Bibles. Mark sixteen twenty. I'm going to find it. Okay, okay. I'll I'll pull it up. Let me get back to. Is it there? Now it's good. No, it's still not there. It's going to come somewhere behind me here. Good. Then the disciples went out, preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them. See, God was where? With them. Confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So there's this mandate to go. To go. To fulfill your purpose. To be who God called you to be. Guys, listen to me. Not everyone is given the assignment to preach. But we're all given the assignment to go. There's your unique role in this thing. I want you to think about this. Every encounter, if you think through Scripture, can't give you all, I'll give you a few, where men encountered, women encountered the presence of God, his final thing he said to them after this encounter was, well, you need to go. If you look at the angelic visitations in Scripture, they end with this de- declaration, now go. In Matthew 1, 26, when God made Adam and Eve in his image and likeness, he, what did he say? Now go, multiply have dominion, subdue, be blessed. When when Noah came out of the ark after the flood, God said the same thing to him, Noah. He said, I want you to go. I want you to be blessed. I want you to multiply. When, when he called Abram in, in, in Genesis chapter 12, what did he tell him? I want you to go to a land that you've never been to before. When, when, he, when he had Moses and, to us, and gave him his assignment, he said, I want you to go set my people free. When when he found Gideon hiding in a well, he said, hey, after you encounter me, I want you to go defeat your enemy. Elijah, he said, you go tell King Ahab my message. Isaiah, he, you say, go. You've encountered the living God. Jeremiah, you're not too young. You need to go. Anybody get this? Ezekiel, you need to go prophesy. Uh, Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. The lepers, you need to go show yourself to the priest. The centurion, Pray for my servant. He said, go. Your servant is healed right now. When the woman was caught in adultery, what's the last thing he told her? Go and sin no more. Blind Bartimaeus, when he healed him, go and tell what I have done. Mary at the tomb on the resurrection day. Mary, go and tell my disciples. And you and I on this place, and this morning in 2020 in June, God is saying, go. And let this world know who I am. Aren't you thankful that he's a go God, not a stay God. <laughs> you know what a lot of people have thought in church? I've got, you pick it up, you listen. You think God is, this is what God is. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't go there, don't say that. Sit down, be quiet, don't do that. That's not God. You ask somebody, hey, what do you believe? Well, we don't do this, we don't do that, we don't go there. That's not what you believe. What do you do? Who are you? What do you go? What do you believe in? That's the God we serve. The Bible's full of go, but one time. He said, wait, we're studying it. He said, wait, I want you to go tell everybody in the world who I am. I want you to go be the church I've empowered you to be. Just go be. But wait, before you do that, you need power. You need the power to do that. Let me show you something. Go to Matthew 25 and verse 15. Matthew 25, 15. I want you to see this. Here's a passage that's taught about God giving us different gifts and assignments we're all unique and different, but we all have something to do. But there's a word that we read here, and I don't think we realize the message. You, you recall this. There, this. This illustration, this parable is of a wealthy landowner who is going to a far land. He's coming back. He entrusts his servants with his belongings and says, you need to do something with this. It's the picture of Jesus returning to heaven, empowering the church, saying, I'm coming back. Go do something with this. Watch this, though. To one he gave five bags of gold. To another two bags of gold. To another one bag. Watch. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now we get that, but let's come back one more time. You see that word ability? He gave these gifts, these enablements, these tools, each according to his ability. That word ability, you know what that word ability is? In the Greek text of the New Testament, the same word we read in Acts chapter 1, dunamis and power. Do you know how you and I fulfill our assignment? Do you know how you take whatever God's given you and make it work for him? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. My ability, ability is dunamis. He said he gave them this according to the power of God. Do you know how you go to work tomorrow and fulfill the calling on your life? By the power of God. See, the church has limited the power of the Holy Spirit to a building, to a day of the week, to, to, to a revival service, to a preacher standing on a platform, to a missionary preaching in another land. But can you? I want you to understand with me, why do you do what you do? What are you going to do tomorrow when you go to work? If you're, if you're working where you want to work, let me say it that way, what caused you to say, I want to be in the medical field? What caused you to say, I want to be in counseling? What caused you to say, I'm artistic, I love to design and make things with my hand? What caused you to say, uh, you know, I, I, I love to build things, I, I want to work in wood, I want to be a carpenter, I want to build things? What, what made you fascinated with drawing architectural plan? What made you say, I, I, I have such a passion for children and education, I want to be a teacher? Why? Where did that come from? God put that in you. In Psalm 139, as he designed you in your mother's womb, Who you are, what you do, what you're good at is not a coincidence or a mistake. It's not just something you can discover in an aptitude test. It's when you submit your life to Christ and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You now begin to understand my ability, my gifting, my purpose is not just to go sit in a church, but it's to go, 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 go. It's to be the person God created me to be. And as you go be the best doctor, the best nurse, the best teacher, the best lawyer, the, the best office worker, the best technology technology. the best program designer whatever it is as you go do that do you know what the holy spirit's working in your life people are beginning to encounter the kingdom of god let me help us with something we're struggling in our culture right now because everything's not working in the order it should be working i I want you to listen what i'm saying don't read between my lines just listen what i'm saying okay you guys that know me long enough know i don't give mixed messages i say what i mean and i mean what i say You don't have to go home and say, what was he saying? I said it, okay? Right now, we're struggling with with trying to make our nation work. There's some things that have been out of order. And so, the solution, listen to me, the solution for what we're dealing with in America today is not to get rid of all police. The solution's not no police. You know what the solution is? The solution is better police. You know what that means? I got quiet because I can't talk about that. Well, I just did. And I'm saying it to help people. Listen to me. The solution is not no police, it's better police. What do you mean, Pastor? Young men and young women who are gifted and called to do that, to go be born-again spirit filled believers, and let's see some great policemen walking around. That's the answer. Do you understand that? It's not don't have law and order, it's have godly law and order. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? The, the, the goal is not to say no government. The goal is to say better politicians people that are born again spirit-filled fulfill the purposes in the Word of God do you know where we got the laws in this nation if you study our history they were based on the Bible the Ten Commandments the Word of God you walk through Washington DC and every state house and you'll see biblical references engraved every place why because this nation's based on the Word of God what we need to do is get back to the Word of God we need godly people spirit-filled people Kind people, honest people, equal people That will look at people in love We can raise the standard We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ Our opportunity has never been greater To see a godly, spirit-filled police man or woman To treat everybody equal and the same To love everybody and everybody feels safe That's what this nation's crying for To have politicians Who do what they do not because of special interests and personal uh, greed, but because I want to serve this nation. I want to represent the God who called me. I got to tell you, I'm praying right now that God is raising up out of this church and other churches young men and women who say, I want to be in politics. I want to go serve God in this place. It's a nasty place right there. But God can redeem it. God can change it. God can send born-again, spirit-filled people who will elevate who we are. I believe that as we go, as we're empowered to be, we begin to affect culture. We begin to bring hope. We begin to bring light people that they make better movies they they make better teachers they make better lawyers they make better moms and dads we make better why because we're going in the power of the spirit we become who god put us on this earth to be that's what we are that's what we're for and that's what god will do i want our worship team to join me i want you to stand let's stand together right now let's stand who gets in this plan listen church family who who do we share this with who do we go to who's included in god's purposes for our life what did what did jesus tell them in acts one he says it's for jerusalem's right where you live it's in judea that's the state you live in it's in samaria that's cross-cultural to the ends of the earth nobody's outside our circle listen to me if we're born-again believers if we're filled with the holy spirit if we say we love jesus and we want his kingdom to come and his will to be done, then no one's outside our circle of love. How many heard what I just said? Nobody is missed. Nobody's qualified. Nobody nobody is less or more. We are coming in the name of Jesus. We're, we're, We're bringing the kingdom into this world, into the places where it's been dark. We're not afraid to walk in and bring that kingdom in. Guys, I want to tell you something today. You're the chosen instrument of God. You're the chosen instrument of God for this hour. And the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is big enough for the moment. The power of the Holy Spirit is great enough to carry you from where we are to exactly where it needs to be. And I'm thankful for that. He's bigger. He's greater. You know, I I want us to pray over this and we're going to be dismissed and go. I heard somebody share this week three definitions of racism. Probably the third I'm going to share with you is one that's most prevalent in our society. One is... Just hatred. I hate you because you're a different race. Hard to imagine, hard to understand, but that exists. Number two is really inferior or superior. You feel like some race is superior to another race or some race is inferior to another race. That's racism. But the third, probably where we are still dealing with more in society today, those elements are there. But the most is, is what I would just call prejudice. Prejudice means to prejudge. Prejudge, prejustice. In our courts, we say, before we make a decision, you get justice. We look at the facts. See, it's post-justice. But what we do with prejudice is pre-justice. I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know anything about you. But I'm going to prejudge you. I'm just going to make a decision based on your skin color, based on your socioeconomic place, based on your religious affiliation. I prejudge you. I don't even know you. You know what? How do we, how do we stop that, Pastor? Well, I, I don't think any laws can change people's hearts. I don't think we can mandate how people think. But I know this. When Jesus begins to change us, when we begin to be who the Holy Spirit restores us to be in Christ I may not change the world but I can change my world you understand I, I, you know Calvary we can love period period no. no somebody's better or worse somebody deserves it, somebody doesn't are you with me that's the power of the Holy Spirit now I'm going to tell you we all have journeys that we've been on And try to get in the way of that. Well, because this happened, I'm going to look at you this way. No, no, no. Listen to me. I believe Jesus loves everyone on this planet equally the same. Can I rock your world a little bit? You know the person you like the least, he loves just as much as he loves you. The person that pushes every button, he loves him just like he loves you. Listen to me. You know, those people on the, in that other political party from you, whichever one you're in, I know it's crazy. Listen, let me just say it like this. Jesus loves everybody's going to go to the Democratic National Convention, and Jesus loves everybody that's going to go to the Republican National Convention. I didn't say he condones all that stuff. That he loves them. Are you okay? He does. And you know what? I'm glad he loved me when I was unlovable. There are people who thought I didn't deserve it, but Jesus said, you know, Somebody's got to get a guy shot. Somebody needs to give him a chance. He loved me. And I'll, I have no right not to love because he loved me. I have no right to choose because he loved me. And the word says, if I love him, I love everybody he loves. That's everybody. That's everybody. If we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can make a change. We can make things better. We can model that out. We can make a difference. So I want to encourage you today. Let's be, let's be a Jesus witness. Let's let him empower us and be that. I want us to pray worship right now. Can, can I just say, because of limitation, can this whole room be an altar right now? Is that good enough? The whole room. I want to make your house an altar. I we'll want make wherever you are an altar right now. This is what we're going to say. We sang a song earlier. It's his breath in our lungs. Did you understand that? It's His breath in our lungs. I'm standing here alive because of His gift in my life. And you know, I was thinking about all the ugly things people are saying to each other. If it's His breath in my lungs, I don't need to hijack His breath. I need to say what He would say. Huh? Did you get that? I need to say what He would say. If it's His breath, I'm not going to hijack it. I'm going to allow His breath to come out of my mouth right now will you make an altar with me in this room and say Jesus we want to go in your power we want to be who you made us to be we want to make a difference in this world the people that are hurting and weary we want them to know there's hope in Jesus name the angry and the ugly we want them to know there's hope